Welcome to the Electric Monks Podcast, episode 34, an interview with hitchhikers and appetizers. Hello, and welcome back after a long absence to the Electric Monks podcast my name is ed and i'm joined by my co-host nemo say hi nemo hi nemo <laughs> there we go <laughs> already he already he's gotten the better of me uh, <laughs> but we are not alone uh, because oh. we have two special oh there we go they've, they've, they've noticed i'm about to cue them in if we have there two are guests, others we have two uh, <laughs> i guess celebrity guests uh, <laughs> and, uh, from uh, another well-known uh, Douglas Adams-related podcast. Their names are Mike and Bran, but you might know them better as Trellis and Horatio from the Hitchhikers and Appetizers podcast, which is, of course, an improv podcast. So, Mike, Bran, introduce yourselves. One at a time. Uh, hi, <clears throat> hi. <laughs> Mike here. Um, yeah, like you said, I play Trellis. Um, uh, we are in the U.S., so uh, you know we kind of talked during the warm-up. We got a fully uh, global interview going on here between australia the uk and the us um we've been doing hitchhikers and appetizers for a while now about a year and a half or so uh expanding wow. hopefully uh the douglas adams universe and you know we are americans so we don't we're not going to fully get the whole british humor aspect <laughs> of it but we are uh, trying to maintain the spirit of of the whole thing yes we're trying to be be as uh non strict about canon as possible uh, I guess this one. That's one. Well, I think Douglas would wholeheartedly approve given his approach like, I, to it. That is one of the things. Certain episodes were like, "Yeah, I, th- I think he'd like this one." Others were like, "I'd be curious to hear what he thought about this one." <laughs> you know, but there's certain ones where you there's sometimes you just feel like you just you hit you hit the tone. You know, it just feels right. It just feels like something that just absurd and a little bit of some social commentary. And anyway, I'm rambling. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, but it's interesting that you mentioned that because that links very nicely into the first thing I want to talk about, of course. Score. So it's, it's been a while since we did a podcast. Obviously, I did the interview with Name Escapes Me about... Tim Fuller. No, there was one before that I did. Oh, uh, before Mike, that. Uh, with... Uh, um, uh, Robert De Niro. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I, I've rocked oh, oh, Bobby. Amelia Amel- Amel- Earhart. Amelia Earhart. <laughs> oh no, we had a meeting that was playing shot down, and you remember? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Thor, Thor, Thor. Oh no, I, I think I think Paul Flew Byers didn't hear our request to be interviewed. I'm pretty sure it was that was it. I remember that it was Beck Silberthane, of course, who was an actor and producer in New York and big on the Broadway scene. It was all about Jagged Little Pill, which of course was produced yes. by um, Oh yeah, Arvin Ethan David. And uh, of course, there was a whole um, issue about uh, trans representation in that play and sort of how it spilled oh. into some of uh, Arvin's other projects. Anyway, it was a very interesting discussion, and uh, I recommend you listen to that. But since then, and, I've, I've, and the response to both of these is actually quite positive. I think people are quite supportive. But since then, of course, we did an interview with uh, Kim Fuller, which was all about the first one we did one was all about the Lost Dirk Gently script, which he wrote uh, for Douglas in 1998. Never uh-huh. heard the um, never got the feed, got to see the feedback to it because the project obviously shelved, got shelved and he moved on to something else and then Douglas obviously passed away a few years later and we were finally able to reunite him with the script and uh, Douglas's notes so it was a not just a very funny interview with sort of because Kim was quite honest about some of the 
some of the script shortcomings, some of the things he's learned since then, because it was only like the cool. third half hour script I think that he'd ever done. And it was a sort of trying to do dirt gently as a sitcom. And, uh, and uh, Douglas, uh, that was sort of, he wrote sitcom as a disparaging thing in it. And uh, he gave a lot of, <laughs> Uh, Kim gave a lot of really, really good insights. He was very, good. he was very open and very transparent and honest about sort of the way of his experience and uh, things that he felt uh, he could do a lot better today, which was also quite tantalising to hear. There was another podcast I did, which was basically all the non-Douglas Adams bits from that interview, which was about all the things uh, that Kim did do, like all those classic shows he did, not the nine o'clock news. Spinning image, oh, original wow. spinning image, uh, yeah. Red Dwarf, of course. Yeah. Like, he had a very impressive, oh, God. well, has a very Smeghead. impressive career. Yeah. Sounds like it. So Nemo, obviously, you heard the earlier versions of that. I think I've got this new mic. You might notice, by the way, the new microphone I've got, which is a much better quality than the old one that I was using. Uh, so I've re-recorded, I think, the intro voiceover and the outro voiceover for both of those. That was the only thing I changed. But uh, Nemo heard the original with the old crappy microphone, uh, but just identical. So, so you're saying that you've gone full George Lucas and you're reinventing and special edition. Well, no, what you heard was a, what you heard was a prototype <laughs> version of that. Oh, <laughs> anyway. sure. But anyway, what was your opinion on on those interviews with Kim then? Uh, I, I, look, I, I, it was, I must admit, several months, several, several months. It uh, was, yes, because we had to delay it. Uh, uh, having heard the uh, uh, the early rough cuts of them, uh, it was very impressive, His uh, the, the breadth of his career, and uh, he had some really good insights of, uh, from what I remember, not, not of anything specific that I remember, but uh, just his overall attitude and... Uh, uh, to the nature of comedy, uh, the uh, I remember he was very, very forward thinking in terms of representation and uh, very much uh, like the US style of uh, comedy making, the the writer's room and um, oh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how he worded it. Mate. it well, was, he liked, the, he liked the, the way of... that the dialogue sounded, I noticed because I haven't edited it five or six times, uh, he liked the way that the dialogue <laughs> sounded like how real people spoke, that he'd sound yes. street, I think was the term that he used, and right. uh, he liked that he felt like it had a little bit of an advantage on, I don't know, well, maybe, I don't think he quite, I might be putting words in his mouth, but I think he, he sort of marginally preferred it to the usual British style of dialogue, which is a little more formal maybe. In places, <laughs> I, I think there's a there's a real tendency in British humour to uh, to to re-edit the dialogue and craft it into a a stunning piece of workmanship that's very funny as a well-crafted machine, but it's not the way people talk. And the two Ronnies is a really good, uh, very often really good examples of that. There's there's lots of clever wordplay and lots of clever back and forth. And and it's not to say that American humour doesn't do that. You look at uh, the Who's on First sketch, uh, which is is a very good example of that type of crafting a, a comedy piece that's very heavy on wordplay and uh, in that case misunderstanding uh, which again the two Ronnies often did very well. Marx uh, Brothers. But, Marx Brothers. Yeah, yeah throw uh, Marx but, Brothers. But, but it's not the way that people talk whereas right. I, I think those examples uh, both those examples Marx Brothers and uh, uh, um, uh, Abbott and Costello was who's on first uh, are an older era of American comedy uh, whereas that style I feel hasn't hasn't maintained in US comedy and I think that's what uh, Fuller would have been referring to is that that style of of crafting the words so that you end up with something that's funny but not natural 
is still an aspect of uh, of British comedy, but it's it's not in the US comedy. US has moved more towards, as he says, uh, natural conversations and the way people actually talk, and that gives it a relatability. And that's a, a really valid point that makes uh, makes a difference. It's I don't think necessarily one is better or worse than the other. They suit different styles, different styles of comedy, different comedians, uh, different stories. I like how we've sidelined the two American guests that we've invited <laughs> and then had a long discussion about throw it in. American uh, That's all right. Uh, They'll get their turn. I'll say I have I think I have a pretty British sense of humor, I've been told. Um <laughs> and I do like Mike and I like like with Horatio on our the podcast. Don't ask me sound. for permission. <laughs> no, hey, there's a certain there's a certain I don't know, there's a certain uh, exactitude of the words. Like I love words. And I think that's that sort of thing where he's like Python. Um, have you ever heard of the group uh, Firesign Theater? See, oh, get me. I'm a comedy geek, so I apologize in advance. Uh, but Firesign Theater, uh, American group, never heard of them. Uh, check them out from the 60s, 70s, 80s. And it's that same love of language. It's that same. To me, they had kind of a very kind of an American. I mean, kind of a British uh, uh, influence. But that's the thing is i love like blackadder uh, again talking about the way it's not the way people talk but it's brilliant like blackadder the word choice it's just that's that's the kind of stuff i'd like to write when i can you know um that's that's my first i think I, python all that stuff they were huge influences growing up so i'm probably not the best american to ask about about that, that kind of thing because i just really like yeah red dwarf um uh goon show um all that stuff anyway Mike, it's funny you mentioned you Blackadder because that was uh, um, Richard Curtis, who's one of the writers of yeah. Blackadder, was a big friend yeah. of Kim Fuller's that they actually met um, quite early on in like the eighties. I think you mentioned it, but anyway, sorry, I'm kind of frank. Uh, no, no, no. I was actually <laughs> I, I was going to tangent from Blackadder actually and ask if you've seen uh, Upstart Crow. Yes, brilliant, brilliant. I like I said, I love uh, my wife and I are that way. We watch a lot of British stuff. I love. Well, keep in mind this not that it's a written show, but one of our favorites is QI because it's just smart, funny people just ranking on it and having a good time and just being brilliant. And you just sit there and just uh, let it wash over you, you know? Um, yeah. Also, I, I think well, there's a certain thing about comedy is just smarter sounding with a British accent. I'm just going <laughs> to say it. I was going to oh, no say, I, I, I feel like QI was designed to be a show for Douglas Adams. He would have been yeah. utterly perfect on it. Well, and, it was John and Lloyd. John, exactly. And, and that's, yeah. that, that is part of, that, that informs part of my thinking there, that uh, it, it's very, very easy to imagine that John Lloyd inventing QI, uh, and if Douglas Adams had still been around, that he would have been the first to be invited on and be oh, a, God, yes. a regular. Because well, with Stephen Fry as the host at the first, and, yeah. and nothing against, um, I can't think of Sandy Todzig, who is wonderful. What a perfect replacement for Stephen Fry, you know. Anyway, sorry. And then Davies, uh, I'm sorry, I've just got to, we, we, we love that show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm familiar with Sandy Todzig because you should do a, do a radio show called The News Quiz, which is a very topical radio comedy program mm -hmm. about like um, events of the week or whatever. And I think, She's moved on to that to do QI. So she's just <laughs> perfect, perfect co-host, uh, perfect new, perfect host for it. But, There's like a know. revolving door of the talent here. And you get these people going in between radio and TV. Uh, anyway, Mike, do you want to like say because you, the, you oh, Yeah, let's let Mike talk. <laughs> well, you, know, you, you mentioned the, um, you know, the conversational aspect of it. And that was one thing that we wanted to try and definitely um, pull off. 
with hitchhikers and appetizers. So, um, you know, we're improvising it, but we, you know, when I go through the whole editing thing of it, uh, I'm trying to, you know, turn it into something that would sound like if they were sitting in the booth and just listening along to what Horatio and Trellis are talking about with, you know, whoever the guest or guests are for that episode. Um, so yeah, that, there's less of, you know, and then like you said, you know, Python and then, you know, Faulty Towers was another one that I watched oh, Faulty Towers, a God. bunch of, which was, you know, just hilarious, you know, the whole don't mention the war uh, <laughs> classic line. <laughs> those are so um, meticulously written too. Th those episodes. Yes. Yeah. But and they, you know, but they come off as just like, boom, boom, boom. It's like music. Yeah. It's like music. And, and we thought about it because I mean, you know, um, you know, Second City in Chicago, uh, which is, you know, kind of like the, you know, one of the first, you know, places in the US doing improv and sketch comedy, uh, you know, way back in the start of those like 50, late 50s, I think, early 60s, about then. Um, sounds good. Yeah, it sounds about right. Post, post I mean, World War II. It, it was, you know, originally the Compass Players and then it turned into second city but you know they use improv to generate sketch material that they then refine and then write and then you know turns into a written sketch um and so we've even had the thought that once you know this whole thing is over you know it might be fun to, to try and pitch it or take our own crack at maybe a few episodes of um using it as a base to try and turn each episode into a scripted episode um and and pick out the things that were good and maybe try and improve them or add some things that because both of us have things that come to us when we've like re-listened to an episode of like, ah, oh, I wish I should have said that. Or, you know, another idea that would have been a response comes to mind uh, afterwards. I was like, ah, oh, that would have been so much better. Uh, but overall, so far to date, I don't think we've had any clunkers. We've had some ones that are more like a pleasant listening experience. You know, they're good improvisationally speaking and others are really funny. Um, but we haven't, I don't think we've uh, thrown anything out there yet that would, uh, you know, cause anyone to break out the pitchforks. Uh, and come for us because we've so we've soiled the legacy of hitchhikers. <laughs> so far, although we do have a friend uh, who who uh, is our kind of beta listener yeah. in the UK, and there was a couple of times where he's disagreed with us. Yes. <laughs> about, about the episode. Yeah, one, one episode in particular that he was very like, like, that was filthy. Un, that was just filthy. Unhappy with <laughs> you, crude it's, Americans. <laughs> well, it's so weird. What the thing is, and I'm the one who before the show got let's not go blue. We need to play smarter. And then I'm the one who brings in the dick joke or something at some point. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, shut up. I'll listen to go. Don't go there. Oh, you went there. Here well, we ended up. Innuendo bingo. <laughs> but if, well, what if we can be clever about, you know, it's kind of like that Python high, low brow. Yeah. You know? the, the fun part of that one was that when I ended up editing it, <clears throat> um, you know, because we, 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 we always mention every guest, you know, and we've had guests on that are, you know, some of them are huge fans of Hitchhikers and others have like only heard of the books and others have not heard of it at all. Um, and we let them come up with as much of a, like a character profile as they might, you know, feel need to feel comfortable uh, coming on. And some people have come on like, hey, let's just go. It's improv. And others have been like, hey, I got my character. He's from this planet and he does this, uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, so we got to that point and we, we, went, we mentioned to them that, you know, Belgium is the most offensive word. That you could possibly use, you know, in in the Hitchhiker's universe. So if you feel like swearing, throw out Belgium. Um, well, you know, our guest went on this whole like, rant of stuff, <laughs> and um, so I just decided to, you know, turn it into a bleep fest. And so, and I actually probably tripled the amount of beeps of what over, you know the original curse words were, because um, I just thought it would be fun of the of well, wow, if Belgium's the worst word, and they're having to actually bleep what this guest is saying. 
<laughs> what are they yeah. actually saying? So I'm leaving it up to you know to every uh, listener in that episode to uh, you know fill in their own blanks of what horrible horrible rant <laughs> our, our guest went on. It's just funny. It's that's a great trick to to do. Sometimes you're bored. Just go through any any broadcast, any something somebody's doing. Just bleep out words randomly, <laughs> and it makes it really clear. You're like, God, that it, you're like, what did he say? Yeah. Have you seen the? Uh, there's a YouTube video where someone's done that with uh, the the Count from Sesame Street, and every oh, time he perfect. sings the word Count, I love to beep, <laughs> I beep all day, I beep all night, and it's it's the word Count. He he loves to count all day. He loves to count all night, but it's totally changes the tone of that that tr- that uh, yeah. clip. The, the unheard verb, we call it. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, 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 like I love it if they uh, if they put a few little short bleeps in there, and he's like, ah oh, ah, oh, oh, bleep bleep bleep. <laughs> you can overdo it sometimes, since the whole conversations of bleep. I remember we used to have it with music as well, especially in the UK. There was a mid yeah. Since I remember there was a big kind of um, <laughs> where people would have to release censored versions of songs, and what they'd either do is they would do a kind of toned down version of it where they would just tone down references to sex and just change it to, oh, I just want to get into someone's car and have a ride somewhere <laughs> and get dropped off at the nearest airport. Um, well, you know, rock, rock and roll, rock and roll. Or it would just be was originally down, euphemism. Or, yeah, rock and roll is originally euphemism for sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, rock and roll is this, let's, let's do it. Anyway, um, going back to um, Hitchhikers and Appetizers, I, oh, I, I should actually email Kim Fuller about it because um, yes. I, think, I think he would probably get a, at least a little kick out of it yeah. and uh, yeah, we'd be yeah, we're curious to see if like you know like we brand mentioned our friend mark who does our kind of beta listening um uh i think he knows people who know who knew you know douglas adams and and he's always been pretty uh interested he's like i think he's like i think that you know douglas would have enjoyed this so it's it's curious if you know we could get people who are you know connected to him or knew him pretty well if they took, gave it a listen. Then oh, yeah, maybe some of them are even listening to this. Maybe yeah, who well, knows? maybe yeah. one. One, one of our guests actually, Mike. One of our guests knows one of the who people who knows the Pythons and uh, Kim Howard Johnson. Who was that again? Uh, Sean Sean Landry. Oh, they have, yeah, 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 yeah. Sean. Yes, you know, so he was one. He's written. A, you know, he's written a lot of uh, books about Python. He hung out with the Pythons. So he, he co- sure oh, he co-wrote Truth and Comedy books. with Charna Halpern. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, he's a, sorry, I jumped on all that. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is uh, this is Skeeter. Yeah, that is the cat that just uh, jumped in the background of, of Bran's chair you know, on top of it. It's just right behind his head for people who are listening yeah. on the podcast. She's rubbing her head <laughs> against my headphones now. Ah, uh, that's nice. So we're a very yeah. pet-friendly show. And oh, we, yeah, we exactly. Could we? Our <laughs> logo is a cat. Let's not forget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stock image it's the yeah. cat way <laughs> yep and we and we felt free to kind of maybe take a little liberty with it since like every yeah. iteration of hitchhikers has changed from you know radio series to books to tv series i'll just wait till you see what people have done with dirk uh, <laughs> oh i bet yeah in the last 20 years or so. uh, no it's interesting it, it yes i know that's one of the things that's really interesting to me is the uh the continuity aspect the fact that the, yeah with it douglas that adams i won't say douglas like i know him that he would um <laughs> we call him that too i'll call him doug adams i i i think i think i do remember talking to an american who did call him it was insistent on calling him dougie adams quite consistent. i'm gonna I call him dana yeah, i'm calling him dana that's dna that's ah, of course yeah DNA. No, my, my wife was in a uh play um i think that or it's in a sketch show that had pieces written by graham chapman mm-hmm. and one or two was written by douglas adams 
and she was in the play. It was like world premiere of this play. It was at a local theater in Atlanta, uh, Dad's Garage. And so my wife has gotten to be in a play writ that has uh, been in stuff co-written by Douglas Adams. So I thought it was kind of funny. It was it was based out of the trees. It was it was the scripts oh, out of the basically trees. from yeah yeah it was basically the scripts from uh, the 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 TV pilot or whatever. Something made into a show. Dad, Dad's Garage in Atlanta had somehow worked out a deal with um, the Graham Chapman estate. And so they did a, a that out of the trees, which had some Douglas Adams co-written pieces. And uh, I can't remember what it was, a play that uh, Graham Chapman wrote. They did the world premiere. And I gave the worst audition I've ever given <laughs> in my life with Graham Chapman's ashes sitting in the chair next to the director. And yes, I was doing an Australian accent. And I to got in there and I forgot everything I knew about doing in an Australian accent. <laughs> and it was the worst possible thing. And I was so embarrassed. And the director was really nice about it. But, you know, I felt bad. I was like, <laughs> Don't call I wasted, us, we'll call you. I've wasted your time and Graham Chapman's posthumous time. So yeah, it's a small movie. That, that is the greatest crime. Well, yeah, sorry, I had, to, I, I had to throw in my cool, my cool cred there that my wife did that thing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> wow, it's great to see your family uh, in in making big strides in the world of improv and theater. Oh, well, we are, we are big, we are big improv, big big comedy. That's that our courtship was based in watching a lot of comedy, and you know, oh, that's a good way to get get to meet people. Well, it's we met we met doing improv comedy, so there you go. Okay, um, so anyway, going <laughs> bring back me to, in. Uh, <laughs> sorry, this is all good. I should probably put this later when we're actually talking to you about the hitchhikers and appetizers stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the media pre-recording it. Um, sorry, sorry. But I was just going to end this Kim Fuller segment. It's meant to be this Kim Fuller segment. Um, uh, <laughs> I was going to end this Kim Fuller segment by saying to Nemo that um, if you had told me, Nemo, when we started this about four years ago, that I would be unearthing a lost Dirk Gently script and reuniting it <laughs> with its original author and getting him to sort of look at Douglas's uh, feedback. And uh, and who knows, there might even be more that follows on because we have been talking oh, cool. about potentially... Uh, turning it into an audio drama of some kind. We actually even did a teaser to promote the interview, which was an audition tape that I had done with a friend of mine uh, doing the voice of Janice and doing a little bit from this, basically oh. a bit that Kim mentioned in the interview. That's how I know, because I'm not actually still not yet to see the script. Uh, I'm, but, I'm uh, very looking forward to to this, the, the potential of this, of, uh, of new pseudo official three steps removed <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah because i think we're probably going to change it a bit because i think wall to wall television still own the rights to the original script but kim of course it's his idea and he, he's saying i can do a bit better so um i think if he wants to make improvements i'm, I'm all for that and then who knows maybe we can turn it into like a, a little mini series and there's see where it goes uh as hmm. a sort of well, maybe even a little sequel to the novels because a lot of people have tried to do alternate universes to the novels or sort of half sequels and all i've seen a direct sequel that sort of is like an alternate universe of sam and the doubt rather than trying to just finish sam and the doubt but anyway mm -hmm. anyway i'm getting all into technicalities there uh but uh, I'm, I'm but yeah I, I would never have imagined that i'd be doing any any of that stuff uh, four years ago so it really shows uh it's probably the biggest one of the biggest things we've done although we have interviewed arvin as well as the rights holder to Dirk, and i think that was a great interview too so listen to that from a couple of years ago if you haven't already uh, but what I want to talk about now is the thing Nemo's just finished watching about an hour before this, uh, <laughs> which is uh, uh, which is a, a course, little bit before that. It, it was more like two and a half hours. Oh yeah, and and, sleep and I slept. I'm, yeah. that's why I'm so awake. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, the, the overdose on caffeine. 
to be like um i've had two i'm, I'm in a similar that. head to okay. <laughs> um so that was of course i'm talking about the douglas annis memorial lecture which happened on the 25th of may just over a month ago but finally i've got work out of the way and i'm going to talking about it and uh, the uh our next guest on the podcast not to overshadow you guys of course but our next no. guest is going to be uh hopefully because we've got a verbal agreement i haven't actually talked to her online about saying it late yet but i'm trying to get rachel wheelie on who has her own podcast walk the pod where she walks around london oh, and makes cool. uh, interesting observations uh so it's a great podcast uh she's a great host as well not really knowledgeable about Douglas adams and i'd love to have her on and uh hear what she has because i've wanted to get her on a guest i finally asked her and she said yeah and i was promoting while i was at this lecture because that's the other thing i should mention i was actually there uh and uh, i got to tell everyone who'd listen about this interview i don't like and they were all they were all very polite and some of them were even interested and i even met one of the people there who uh, I think it was Angus Dunnigan who actually did the um, opening uh, part of the lecture. He actually uh, said, oh, I've actually seen Spice World. So it's amazing. <laughs> when I mentioned Kim to his name, that sort of, we had a discussion about the Spice Girls and the various, <laughs> even though I wasn't a fan of them when I was a kid. <laughs> well, as long as you talk about Baby Spice, because she, she's cute. She's oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. I'm sure Scary Spice seems nice. I'm sure but... Emma Bunton will appreciate that. Um, sorry. I know she's been waiting to hear hear what I think. Yeah, she's been waiting for her name to pop up on Richard Munson. Like, I want that old beginning. geezer to talk about me on a podcast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all of the Spice Girls are older than me. <laughs> um, but anyway. <laughs> so um, I'm old. <laughs> okay. Before we die of depression, uh, let's go through... Uh, just very quickly, a brief overview, because um, I know Nemo have some thoughts on this. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the lecture, but it's held every year, usually on Douglas's birthday, but to this year they did it on Tower Day, because like me, they're always running late on these sorts of things. And not great with deadlines, <laughs> just like Douglas, funnily enough. Uh, but the first was Angus Dunican, who uh, did a uh, performed an entry from the guide all about charity, if, if I remember correctly. And... Um, that was very funny that we were talking about um, <laughs> various ideas of charity uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and Ford Prefect in particular having interpretation that why don't you just give, cut out the middleman and give the money directly to the animals rather than to animal charities, which is, of course, given it saved the rhino hosting this whole thing in the Royal Geographic Society, which is a big ornate building, by the way, I thought was uh, pretty hilarious. Any thoughts on Angus, Nemo? Uh, I thought his guide entry was very good and uh, there was definitely felt like he channeled uh, some of the style of, of Douglas's guide entries very well. And the music was uh, very good as well. But they sort of yes, yes. The, 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 radio the, the, the background had that feel of uh, of Rainbow Through Curved Air without being Rainbow Rainbow in Curved, Rainbow Through, whichever one that is. <laughs> yeah, but it was quite funny because you hit the timing. If you listen to the beginning, uh, he said it had this moment like um, where I think Evie the music chimes in a bit too late and he sort of stops to let it catch up at one point. He's like, okay. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty I, hilarious. Sort of on those, the I, joys I of didn't life. actually notice that. But, uh, but he's such a pro but that it sort of works seamlessly. Yeah. His, his observation that, uh, that sometimes conservation, uh, sorry, no, that sometimes charity is not about uh, uh, providing what is missing, but maintaining what is already there. I, I actually thought was a very good, observation that's that's often missed and overlooked in in uh you know discussions about uh, charitable behavior in general and uh that that's felt like the sort of observation that was very douglasy mm. and in fact uh press ej milner gullen who did the final lecture her part of her lecture was all about uh conservation so biodiversity practices and sort of different ways of looking at 
sort of how much was forest in like certain areas, how much deforestation was predicted and how much actually happened is sort of an interesting way of sort of, yeah, okay. Um, it's not it's not great if you look at it, but it wasn't as bad as predicted uh, 20, 30 years ago. And it's an interesting, it's just an interesting way of looking at things. And uh, you're right, it was a very interesting sort of observation. Uh, so next, uh, let's Bruce first. Next part uh, was uh, Dr. Faye Clark did a lecture about dolphins and neuroscience. In particular, what everyone enjoyed was um, a little uh, Scott Jegg thing, which I've attempted to draw on my notes. I'm not sure how well this will pop up for you guys, but you see these... Uh, on my little notes, I was, I'm not sure if, you, if anyone who's watched this room will notice me just writing a little notebook. <laughs> I uh, can see it. Yeah, but I've written a little Scott Jake, which is like your instinctual brain, emotional brain, and your thinking brain being the outer layer. And uh, I found that quite funny, even though my notes are pretty incomprehensible. I've written um, such a pearls of wisdom as dolphins are like us in some ways, but not others. Or <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, my handwriting is really bad. <laughs> just, like, but, like uh, there was a lot of stuff about oh um, the history of sort of dolphin research I didn't know about, and they'd been sort of mistreated. And there was this crazy guy called uh, John Lilly, I think was his name, uh, in 1958, tried to convince NASA that if we're going to communicate with aliens, we've got to figure out how to communicate with dolphins. And his strategy was to stuff dolphins into really small tanks and feed them LSD, I think. <laughs> which uh, had predictably uh, results that weren't really very useful because uh, it just sort of, it did, the dolphins didn't respond well to that. Let's put it, let's put it that way. I, I, yeah, I, I heard that and it felt like one of those, one of those anecdotes where you, where you think, what were they thinking? How did they, how did it not occur to them that this was not only not going to be useful, but proactively a bad idea? I think it wasn't uh, only the dolphins that were on LSD. Let's put it that way. <laughs> maybe that's it. So long, thanks for all the jokes. Although she'd actually used so long, thanks for all the fish. The sort of the original sort of quote from that in in her um, her PhD as well. And uh, she talked a lot about some of her own research, just sort of presenting sort of this cognitive enrichment, sort of presenting dolphins with these abstract scenarios. So you have got a pipe maze with a rubber ball in it. And you know, it's nothing like what they would encounter in the wild is sort of seeing how they adapt to new sort of situations and sort of which part of the brain responds to that and sort of uh, things like a shared a sort of epiphany during lockdown when looking back at this mushroom cloud bubble that was an emotional reaction to the challenge that the dolphins either getting frustrated or sort of delighted that they'd made a bit of progress or little, little things like that. So it was all really, really um, interesting and uh, I, I thought it was a good uh, starting point to the entry and sort of just before we left for the break where we all got to go to the map group and see all the things that um, Kevin John Davies sorry sorry Kevin <laughs> had been preparing <laughs> as part of his archival that he'd been to he wasn't the only one digging around over this archive um, he, bas uh, he basically was using for his book 42 the impossible the wildly impossible or improbable improbable ideas. Improbable, there we go. Ideas, of course, it would be improbable. Improbable. Look, <laughs> you wouldn't read a book about improbable infinity drive and then just wrote impossible ideas <laughs> of Douglas Adams. Uh, but um, but that, uh, he's in the middle of writing that book. And uh, also, I submitted a transcript I'd written of uh, the interview I did with Kim Fuller about the Lost Dirt Gently script that uh, I know Kevin was very appreciative of, even though I wrote a spelling mistake in there, but he hasn't noticed that. So, <laughs> so that's all good. <laughs> But um, uh, but, it, but he presented all this stuff. There wasn't a lot of dirt during this stuff. In fact, there wasn't any at all. It was mainly hitchhikers. But but that was great because there was all sorts of things from uh, the letters that have been sent in begging Douglas not never to adapt it to TV, which I thought was hilarious <laughs> about how it would lose the spirit of it. And uh, 
because it only really works as a radio play. And I think maybe I think maybe the book had come out by the time we've written that. It was sort of 1980 is when it was dated. So um uh but there was all sorts of really, really interesting things from the archive as well, like props even that uh, Kevin had got from, he like got a replica of the guide itself that he showed as like the inner workings of, which was really cool afterwards. And uh, it'd, be, it'd take a while to list all the things, but the map room, it was a Royal Geographic Guild Society stuff. It's just been all covered up by uh, the stuff that John had bought uh, from the archive and even like um, this really nice display. And there was even drinks in the corner as well. Uh, because it was a really awkward time. I didn't get to eat any dinner, so I got like a little biscuit, uh, <laughs> a packet of peanuts, <laughs> maybe some beer <laughs> to get ready for the program constructively to arrive. Kevin's collection of stuff, of of the things that weren't experienced th uh, through the online streaming, that's the one that uh, I really feel like it... Uh, uh, I didn't get my money's worth. Yeah, well, I can send you a few pictures after. <laughs> they won't show up well on the stream, but I can send you a few pictures after I took on my phone while I was there. But it was a really, really good experience. And uh, I really hope uh, that we do it again next year. Well, the tenants was actually very impressive. There were also lots of Douglas's family members there. Like, I know uh, the Belsons were also there. And uh, a couple of uh, Douglas's like, brother-in-law was there as well. And there was a lot of people from Save the Rhino that I got to talk to as well, like John. Was a big, I forget what John's role is, but he was really nice. There's no people by first names, it's not a lot of sense. so that's not helpful for this podcast. I understand, but anyway. Um, so to finish off, there's two more things I wanted to talk about coming back from the intervals. Obviously, you guys, it was 20 minutes of just waiting for the screen to come back. Uh, John Henry Fallet, otherwise known as the Story Beast, uh, I just again, I just called him John. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I got to talk to jo uh, Story Beast and Angus after, and I had a really long, nice chat about like, um. You know, all sorts of things that they did and sort of podcasts that I do as well and sort of how we got into Douglas and sort of it was all really, it was all really nice to sort of just meet like-minded people because you, you don't meet people who are into Douglas Sounds every day especially hmm. in uh, yeah. my mind <laughs> in like say editing films and stuff like that you know you often meet those sorts of people uh, but uh, well, sometimes you do uh, I'm, I'm, I'm staking off my entire industry I shouldn't do that uh, but uh, John Henry Fowler aka Sarubis came up and performed some poetry that Douglas Adams did when he was a student at St. John's, of course, the inspiration for St. Seds that you may recognize from Charter and Dirt generally. Mm -hmm. And um, the first one he did was a poem all about uh, King Edward. And I don't know if you can hear it in the stream, but every time he started talking about King, because there was no kind of preamble, he sort of just launched into it. And I thought, yay, King Edward, because that's my name, of course. And I was still, still <laughs> that. It's very unprofessional of me, is that I should have been signing the rest of the audience. But <laughs> well, well, well done. Well done. Uh, but there was a there was a load of really good poems because it covered about like um this sort of situation in the 70s, which sounded not too dissimilar from now, like you know, stagflation and threat of nuclear war. And this, uh, I think John even made a comment like um, well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh, no, 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 he was talking about the 70s, like ah, what luxury or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so much better compared to today, got the same issues to put but more of, of course. And um, but uh, the, the highlight, I think, was um, the poem about uh, the, well, there were a couple from the TV uh, Hitchhiker series. I was owed to a small green lump of putty I found uh, in my, mm -hmm. my armpit yes. one midsummer morning, which is, of course, the Vogue on their poem. <laughs> and he did the uh, Nancy Millstone Paula Jennings or whatever her name was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Paula, Mil Paula Millstone Jennings. That's it. Yeah, I, I think I made a name way too long. <laughs> I, I, I know that one stuff. wasn't done. It was, it was, no. It was, they had to change it. They had to change they it. They did, originally, yes, because there was a real poet that Douglas. It was originally a friend of the theirs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Paul, but, Paul but, but that wasn't performed at, at the lecture. That was, um, 
because he specifically said he, he made a joke about not doing that because the um uh it, it was too dreadful a poem and uh and Westminster the, Council the, wouldn't let them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, the, yes, that was it. The the council zoning uh it was unsafe for performing poetry at that level. Uh so it was the um it was the Ascot Asgoths of Korea poem. Uh, oh good, good, good. But there was also uh, the poem, I think the, I think this is the final one, but it was about the uh, rhino. Um, yes. uh, it was a love ballad to a rhinoceros. I think they even had a little music in the background. And Nell, one of the producers, so I saw talking to Rachel Weaver, so clearly they're good friends, and uh, she must have talked her into doing it. Put on the rhino costume. And, uh, and <laughs> they had it on display as well. I thought it was like a statue on the way in, but no, it's a costume. <laughs> this giant rhino. It's, I believe the same one that did this war when climbing Kilimanjaro, but Kevin John Davies told me, oh, he just wore it for the flat bit, and by the end of it, he was exhausted. So <laughs> he wasn't actually climbing <laughs> the really tricky bit of Kilimanjaro, like um, people usually be on those charity runs. But, uh, but anyway, I'm sure for Douglas, it was a big achievement nonetheless. And uh, certainly for Nell, it was quite, uh, there was some interesting, I don't even notice, but Nell knocked into the board and John sort of reacted to it. There was a plywood board at the end of uh, the sort of end of the hall. And because the nose is so long, at one point she almost hit um, John with the horn. And then uh, the, you hit the plywood, and we can all sort of hear it in the audience. <laughs> so you sort of felt the room sort of vibrate whenever the rhino, uh, Nell moved around in this very cumbersome rhino costume. So it was quite the experience, and it sort of added to the hilarity of it, of how, uh, so especially when the rhino gets <laughs> shot dead near the end, and there's the unconvincing stock uh, gun sound effect. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, there, um, there's clearly nuance in all of that that didn't come through in the streaming, though. Yeah. I thought the stream did a very good job when I watched it back with my parents yeah, yeah, two though. months later, or whatever it was. But, uh, <laughs> but it was but it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think everyone in the audience is a, is a site they'll never forget, and I'm sure Nell will never forget <laughs> as well. Yes. And, but they even put like a little tutu on. I'm not sure if that was Nell's or if that was like the came with the costume as a little accessory. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was a nice little touch. Perfect. Uh, and then finally, we got Professor E.J. Milne McGillan, because I realize we're running very long now, uh, <laughs> on <laughs> optimism in a time of a uh, biodiversity crisis. So this was a great talk um, about all different projects that uh, she was interested in. Sort of, again, it was um, like I mentioned near the beginning, it was about, um, she talked a lot about Cambodia and sort of, sort of biodiversity crisis there and sort of deforestation particularly and sort of bush fleet hunting sort of different issues there and then she um talked also about damage limitation uh there was a bit about the saiga antelope as well and the sort of uzbekistan kazakhstan border which was very interesting as well sort of the different sort of uh, tracking the sort of diff different wavering fortunes over the years of that sort of population and the sort of uh, the economic collapse and like the Soviet Union, how they didn't have the money for, money for the poaching patrol and sort of uh, the sort of education program they've been doing there as well. And sort of the draining of the lake in the area and how it sort of changed the kind of situation for the uh, Saiga Antelope. I'd, and I'd heard was, about that, that lake in the past and it's, yeah, it's of kind course, of terrifying. The Aral Sea, of course, it's cool. Uh, yes, yes. The well, it's not much yeah, of a sea anymore, third, sadly. Yes, yeah, we used to be the third largest inland sea in the world i think it was one of the largest wow. uh, and yeah and it's now effectively dried up to nothing is the the shortcut way of describing uh where that's at uh and yeah things that used to be on the shore are now just in the middle of a sludgy plain and uh and islands that uh, hadn't been visited in 400 years except for some soviet research uh base uh is now uh reachable uh directly and 
uh, it, the optimism uh, of that talk actually was really good. Just that reminder that sometimes while things are getting worse, they're not getting as worse as you think they're getting. And there are other places where no things are genuinely improving. And the, the overall conclusion that from a mental health perspective, which is really important uh, in, in at the moment, is uh, having optimism really helps mental health. It's it's not just one or the other that, that it becomes a feedback. You know, optimism helps your mental health and improved mental health uh, makes it easy to be optimistic. And, and ultimately, that's important because if we're not optimistic to keep an idea of where we're trying to get to uh, with improving the environment, then uh, we don't have a target. We're not going to get there. Exactly. And I believe... Uh, Very good talk. I believe Professor E.J. Mulligan said that uh, it was um, optimi uh, conservation optimism, I think was what the campaign was called. And uh, she did a lot of workshops for like uh, students and, um, you know, sort of activists, because the big thing they want to avoid is like activist burnout, essentially, where people get so depressed that they're not making an impact. I'm just amazed nobody made like a Marvin joke, because there was one point where even she was going, <laughs> I know this is really depressing, but I'll get to the optimism bit later, <laughs> which, was, which was quite funny. Um, Don't so talk to me about dried up seas. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so that was the, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, a lot of stuff about working with um, local communities as well, and sort of like uh, trying to sort of, um, you know, get help with like uh, the communities with their sort of problems with, uh, you know, a lot of his education, not just that, but also helping them with uh, finding a way of like earning a living and sort of like, you know, sort of uh, textiles and stuff like that. Uh, that was all really interesting as well, sort of more immediate impact it was having rather than necessarily the long term stuff. And uh, so anyway, that was basically the end of all the talks. And then we had a Q&A and there were lots of great questions asked. Uh, but some of them were very like, there was one person that asked uh, E.J. Milligan, like, oh, how do you justify working with corporations? Lots of hard hitting questions. And then I got to ask the final one and you can listen to it on our YouTube <laughs> channel, which we've um, unplugging already. Uh, but um, it's the uh, Electric Monks, it's just called. And I've got a couple of uh, related videos on there, including one of the very end of Electric is me asking the question, about um, the fundamental interconnectedness of all things and how it's impacted uh, them in their daily lives. And they gave a very, very good answer, uh, both of them, uh, Dr. Vaglock and uh, Professor E.J. Milligan. Uh, Milligan was, was sort of, said, I think she said, has said, yes, uh, and, and I think she said, and no. And then I said, I can ask it again if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I get a very long question. Well, it felt very long-winded the way I asked it. But I wanted to get it right. I wanted to get it, the quote right from the book so it didn't feel disrespectful I always put words in Douglas's mouth that he didn't write 30 or 40 years ago <laughs> um, but um but yeah I think both of them gave very very uh, thoughtful and interesting answers about how they, they had sort of taken them they had either unconsciously or not because uh, you, you sort of I've talked about his Arvin as well when I interviewed him but sort of fundamentally connect these things it's working whether you realize it or not and they sort of both talked about how you know, looking at the whole picture and sort of that how you, you can get too insular at points and so it does help to zoom out at points and so look at the wider goals you're working towards. Uh, I'm, I'm being very vague, but I think they answered a lot better than I could. So go to the YouTube channel if you want to hear what they actually say rather than me trying to pre-see it. But, but anyway, uh, overall, very. I just had to ask that at the end because there wasn't a lot of Dirk Gently content, unlike last year, of course, in the Dirk Sand Moral Lectures. I thought I'd... Uh, just, just tip the scale just a little bit, just a little <laughs> on the gas. And uh... remind everyone that we that uh, the joke gently exists. And I didn't exist. plug the podcast. Yeah. I, I was very restrained actually. I thought I, uh, <laughs> it was a complete chill for myself. Um, but anyway. speaking of podcasts that we're plugging, oh, we point. should move on to Hitchhikers <laughs> and Appetizers. True, yes. What? So, uh... what is that? 
<laughs> well, I believe uh, it's a thing. Got, it's on the we, internet. We've got two you people here it. who are well placed to explain what it is. So, Mike Bran, how did you meet and start Hitchhikers and Advertisers? How did the what was the genesis of uh, this project? Obviously, because you're both uh, um, founders of I believe the Improv Action, yeah. in Action Network. I think it's called. We yeah, are members of the, yeah members, members of, of so there are mm, other people as well. So yeah, we, we just, yeah. let's just say we got it. We've got a the short version. We both got. Mike, then Mike will give a really brief version of this stuff, but uh, <laughs> the actual economic one. But no, we 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 met actually improv in action. It started by somebody we know, uh, Jim Carwish, who we improv improvised with, Mike studied with, improv with in Chicago. Uh, you can both got your PhDs at the bar uh, in Chicago, yeah, for improv. basically, yeah, sitting there. Six and nights a and, week uh, and he started shows. improv in action, and Mike and I met uh, performing in a, a theater uh, workshop. It was basically a bunch of small the small improv groups within one big group under a tent and that's so we met we met playing uh with that that group so there mm -hmm. you go yes now mike uh, mike will actually like economic 12 14 years ago now at this point God, yeah yeah we should have <laughs> known better so yeah i had i was kind of looking around for things to listen to and stumbled across uh another improvised podcast called hello from the magic tavern um which is a um uh, a lot of Chicago-based people and kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Rings, whatever kind of setting. And the main character got pulled into this magical land and now he has a Wi-Fi signal going back and he's like sitting at a vermilion minotaur with a wizard and his badger that shapeshifter, shapeshifter that's seems to or be shapeshifter. stuck in the shape of a badger. And they, <laughs> oh, and he they has sex with whatever the last yeah yeah he turns into one of the last being he had sex with yes that's how he shapes this is a so lot thought, to take in yeah so <laughs> yeah it is so, there's a lot of so that's i'll be that's as brief as i'll be about it um but i was really cool you know they got they're getting to play and they got fun you know they're not having to deal with the whole like uh improv group craziness and dynamics and having to rehearse and like go find a theater uh, i can just sit at home and <laughs> and improvise and and get other people to play. So uh, I reached out to Bran with the idea. I, I, it actually occurred to me on, I was trying, so then I was trying to think of like, okay, what could I, you know, do that's like sort of similar, but not too similar. And while I was basically out on a walk, it kind of occurred to me, um, oh yeah, well, what about the Hitchhiker's Guide? You know, there's a lot of stuff in there. That's really fun. Um, but then I didn't want it to be, you know, that you know with those characters and everything and then it just you know hit me in the, at one point like oh what, what about if it was set at Millieways? um because that's kind of this restaurant that can travel through time uh and you know so people are there from all you know all time there's there's no Throughout time set, and space you know, time space whatever so you kind of feel like that kind of opens you up to like an infinite number of people are probably dining at this place and then what if we had two guide contributors that were basically too lazy to actually hitchhike around the universe, uh, trying to live, you know, on 30 Altarian dollars a day and being poor and hungry and basically probably, you know, trying to catch rides everywhere. Uh, so the, you know, the, the idea was like, okay, well, that, let's say they've discovered a, a, a flaw in the submission system for receipts at, uh, you know, Megadodo Productions, so that if you submit a guide entry at the same time you submit your dinner and drink receipts they're automatically approved and so because they discovered this they decided to set up shop at Millieways and just interview people beings who are dining there for their guide entries and they don't really care so much necessarily about 
the guide entry. They just want to eat and drink for free. Uh, and that's kind of how the genesis of it came about. And um, you know, I think like we mentioned a little bit earlier, um, it's a way to expand the universe and add new characters to it and, and new, you know, interesting things, hopefully that are in the spirit of the original series. Uh, but we never reference the original characters. We don't reference the original storyline. Uh, you know, we mentioned things like, you know, Magrathea and Pangalactic Gargle Blasters and Vogons and, and things that exist uh, in that world, but we don't try to get too tied down to it. We just want to give our nod to it and then hopefully find interesting, weird things to talk about um, with the guests. So that's kind of the whole genesis of the thing. More about, yeah, keeping the, the, the tone and uh, the sensibility than, than specific stuff. Yeah. Hey, hang on, who's asking the questions in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike, what about keeping the tone and the sensibility of Adam? Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that on the list? I'm so- oh, okay. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> nice. Man. This podcast has imploded all of a sudden. Because um, I have a feeling, by the way, that um, we kind of know the ending because I'm pretty sure the restaurant at the end of the universe, you know, it ends at some point, and that's probably going to be the season finale. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike has had ideas about the series finale we, since we the have beginning. an arc. Yes, we have an arc. Yeah. It, it, it's it varied a little after, bit, but yeah, it, it, it hit me at the uh, end of the first season of like, oh, this might be a fun way to like kind of hopefully work our way towards. Um, and so, uh, without giving it away, I'm not going to give it away. Well, I did give it away. So, no, I'm yeah, sure even so. you haven't totally figured <laughs> yeah. out. Well, so, no, that's the thing. It's like we're trying to also we're trying to figure. We had a much more. I yeah. think we had a much more detailed ending. Yeah, it had much more detailed ending, and I've kind of backed off of that because it's. Or like just, it would it take weird. the logistics of recording what kind of without giving it away let's just say the logistics of recording it would have been rather interesting yeah and along with the editing of it and and then just the balance of not trying to push yourself towards something and you know improvisationally speaking and so mm-hmm. you're trying to reference things and then it kind of becomes you, you shoehorning things in that don't really make mm-hmm. sense might as well uh, like and, script and, it and by it, that point yeah, yeah. and it ends up not being so organic and so um i think what we ended up with uh, works because we, we had another guest on and i was like oh wait what if we just marry these two things together and so hopefully that will all happen at the end of season six which is we have, uh coming up here in the fall at some point it's the uh, the final or <laughs> penultimate season depending we've got some other ideas don't you worry yes Ooh, an epilogue. <laughs> don't you worry once you fall down this <laughs> rabbit hole you can't get out I, I keep doing visual jokes here Lost. with my expressions and there's no <laughs> visual aspect to this <laughs> i know right? i just want people listening to go oh look Theater he's putting his face mind. close to the camera now no Theater what i'll do is i will i will post hoc edit in a voiceover myself saying you can't see this but uh bran <laughs> is making a, a little twitch of his eyebrow and if you know what that means <laughs> oh, no, it's, yeah. it's my, i've been told that my eyebrows work independently of me that I should never play poker because they're a very obvious tell. <laughs> I'm curious at what point, uh, since you're talking about uh, the end of season six and the end of the final season, uh, how far away is that from a recording perspective? How or where are you at the recording perspective? We have uh, all but one episode of season five done, edited, and ready to go. They're up there right now, and then they're all recorded on a weekly yeah. basis, except for the last one. Oh yeah, and yeah. We have three or four of season six recorded mm-hmm. but not edited um and then we're just trying to wrangle people in and you know get people scheduled and and it's been a little bit harder now and my my thought is that, that was because when we first actually started recording this was you know the pandemic was 
in full swing. <laughs> uh, and so people I think trapped. a lot of, yeah, I think people were trapped. The other improvisers were looking for something, anything to do, and they had a lot of time and availability. So it was easier to get people scheduled uh, then than it is now. So yeah, we're working on, you know, constantly trying to get some people in. I mentioned we had someone in from um, uh, Boom Chicago in Amsterdam. Uh, that we recorded and that's actually the second to last episode of season five so that's um that's done and i'm um, hoping we can maybe grab a few people because we've had a fairly you know we've had uh you know so him a few people from the uk ireland uh san francisco los angeles chicago somewhere uh, in the midwest somebody with midwest, chin, yeah, who raises so chinchillas out in the was, midwest. That, that was arizona that was arizona <laughs> arizona okay um, so we've had they're going to be very offended. Well, no, it's the funny. No, that's the thing is I didn't know that chinchillas actually sound like little toy horns, but apparently they do. Because yeah, during the episode, oh. we heard these toy horns honking. I was like, I thought she's doing sound effects under her desk, but she actually had a chinchilla <laughs> under her desk. Oh wow, uh, some chinchillas making noises. So, so few bonus guests sneaking into the uh, into the interview. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at. We're trying to get out. We tried to stay out ahead of things, um, so that way, like uh you know if anything comes up i've got episodes done and i don't have mm -hmm. to deal with it and we can you know go out so i mean we're really other than that last episode we're good until like august 7th right now and i can just release episode every week um but yeah it's been interesting for sure and just cranking them out <laughs> i'll say one thing you're definitely better at us than punctuality because we i think we had like <laughs> mike is yeah. nothing if not efficient yeah well the problem is we got we've ran out of dirt stuff to talk about <laughs> so oh no like oh yeah well i had to basically <laughs> find it <laughs> it was hidden mm -hmm. away in Douglas's archives we've we've been a little bit tied down with uh with relying on talking about what other people have made rather than just making, making it ourselves own. yeah so yeah, you guys yeah. Much smarter than us. Later on, but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, so let's get to the nitty gritty. What's your improv process like? Because my brother, <clears throat> believe it or not, is also doing improv, and he, I, I believe hate you. the fact that I'm bringing yes, this up. He's actually you. practicing for a show. Uh, I'm going to see in a couple of days from now, or probably already happened by the time this is out, and he'll be very embarrassed oh, cool. about it because he's only nice. doing the first two acts. But um, that's great you said that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's sort of I, no, no, if I no, no. I should say no. Don't do improv. It's no way street, man. It's a bad, <laughs> yeah. bad. It's like, it was funny gate, because no. um, we tried it's to put gateway art because initially he was very shy about it, <laughs> understandably, and he was like, "I don't want to invite yeah. anyone. I just want to do it." And oh then, yeah. Then he changed his mind. He's like, "Oh, you know what? I may as well just invite people I know." And he invited mum and dad. Uh, he was going to invite me, and then he's like, "Oh, uh, I'll send the link." And then it's like, "Oh no." The tickets are all booked. They're all out tickets. And I was like, oh, oh no. And then I checked again today and uh, just we'll record, well, as we're recording this. And uh, then it's like, oh, actually, um, someone must have dropped out because it's saying there's a ticket available. And it's oh, like, nice. oh, my friend and his girlfriend, they were trying to book for the two of them. And they're like, well, there's only one, so may as well not bother. And it's like, well, I'm in there. And now I am finally going. So there you go. Anyway, you that has go. nothing to do with it. you guys. <laughs> Normally, when you invite people to your improv shows, you don't have to worry about them coming. Yeah, standard. You know, yeah, well, unless it's your first. Oh, yeah, show. we'll be there. Nobody shows up. You, you always like back at this old th this theater. Uh, you want oftentimes you want your team to play the same night as a new team is debuting, because chances are they will have friends and family who are not burnt out on coming to see their stuff, right. and so you'll have a big crowd when it's a new team debuting. Because they're friends and family there, so at least uh, you know was... that night you'll get to play for more than five people. It was pretty mm -hmm. great. Yeah, it's quite similar in like theatre when you notice like uh, whenever there's a 
actor whose family are in, you notice the family cheering, say, go on, and it almost takes <laughs> it a bit out of the performance yeah, yeah. of, I don't know, this really serious drama, maudlin drama. <laughs> uh, but, uh, of that. Yeah, but uh, um, I, I was asking about your improv process, wasn't I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I've written this whole note, so I should probably stick to that right. rather than so, being yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pro- Process-wise, you know, for us, you know, at this point, we kind of know who Trellis and Horatio are, so we just yeah. kind of had that point of view and we stick to it. You know, Trellis is kind of pretty, you know, vain, uh, you know, he's had a lot of plastic surgery done. He's always trying to see if there's some way he can get something out of what the guest is talking about for himself. Uh, and he points out anything that like might not make sense or that like is odd. So you know those weird, absurd things, you know, so any slips or whatever. Um, and then, you know, improv wise, you know, you're trying to like, yes, and everything. So exactly like, yeah. taking, you know, the circumstances and not denying them, you know, Trellis or Horatio may not like it, but you know, that was said, so that is true. Yeah. Um, and so I try to ask myself the, the one phrase that, um, you know, we kind of got taught is like, well, what's, what's more than that? And then one episode we had on, and I'll, this is my usual, you know, example when we're talking to guests of um, Trellis doing something like he talked one of the guests into opening a casino on their planet to boost tourism. Well, what, you know, well, what's more than that? Okay, well, hey, can I get any perks if I come visit the casino? And then like, you know, what's, you know, well, then what's more than that? Well, what kind of entertainment would you have? You know, because obviously if you've got a casino, you got to have a big show or a big act. So that if you're constantly kind of think, have that in your head of like, well, what's more than that? What's more than that? It helps you add on to, you know, things that are being tossed out there. And so um, that was, um, that season two, I think it was season two. So, you know, the, the guest threw out that they would have uh, on their planet's foremost weight guesser uh uh way newton uh and so um uh, you know he, he's like oh he can guess your weight in like three 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 questions it's like he's like it's unbelievable i don't know how he does it and so then you know that's the kind of the weird thing where trellis <laughs> notices something like that like well that that doesn't make sense uh so you know i threw out there how do you know that he doesn't just have a scale built into the stage and someone up in the booth is telling him what the person coming on stage weighs uh, and then he got all rightfully offended and was like, how dare you? How dare you, sir? Like, you know, Wayne Newton is a national treasure. How dare you? And like, you got all this stuff. Yeah, and then uh, and Horatio you know, will jump in there to kind of like pile on, like show some respect to Trellis, you know? Yeah, Horatio, so, Horatio is pretty fickle. He'll, he'll play both sides of the fence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's just trying to ingratiate himself with the guest for the most part. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really what I have in mind. You know, just yes and the crap out of people um and then you know try to figure out where are little odd things to play around with and and then see if there's a game there that can be played so like actually in, in the scoff law episode which was in season one um he was trying he's like this you know shyster con man kind of character and he he, he gets trellis hooked on trying to buy a uh, um like a timeshare kind of thing he's trying to sell land in the unincorporated district on the alphabet zone and so like it kind of turned in sort of like a glenn gary glenn ross sort of thing game going on and i was like oh wait i know they told the game that we're playing here Charles <laughs> is just going to be like an idiot and like totally buy into all this stuff uh that he's telling him about the you know the this this great deal that you can't pass up on and so there's that kind of like pull back and forth when you see those kind of games going on um that you can play with and then again do what's called heightening to make it more weird and odd so that's my, you know, uh, take on it. Uh, and then I think, like I mentioned earlier, we tell our guests whatever makes them most comfortable. You know, if they just want to jump in and we'll improvise it and figure it out the way we go as we go, that's fine. If they want to come up with a name for their character and the planet that they're from and, and maybe what they do, they can do that. So um, we want them to be, you know, feel as confident coming in as possible. Yeah. Do you ever do a thing where you'll say, um, 
uh, you'll sort of suggest something to them and they'll be like, no way, that's not how my planet works or something like that. We do we do ask them that. If, if those yeah, like, before him. There's anything about your character that you've come up with that you don't want us to negate, you know, let us know. So yeah, if they, if they felt like they're, they're like a cat being or something like that, uh, you know, we wouldn't, you know, make them human looking or whatever you know is there we, we do ask them if there's anything we don't want to you know they don't want us to step on because they had that in their in their mind so uh, but more often than not they're like yeah no not really <laughs> and, and and in in the cases where they have maybe some stuff that they didn't bring up um because we were improvising we totally changed it or never even got to some of that stuff um because like oh yeah i had this idea for it and then we just totally went over here and now <laughs> uh, i know well. that feeling <laughs> yeah i want to ask about um the edit so um obviously uh, in both sort of senses of the word because i know from what my brother told me last night when i told him i'm going to interview these hitchhiker improv guys and he, he's like oh you got to ask them about the edit so that's when you edit of course in the middle of this part of the oh. process or but it's also of course um one of you obviously has to edit it afterwards into the post-production which i'm very familiar <laughs> with uh, so it's, uh, it sounds like you're talking about like editing on like on a stage improv a, a stage yeah, improv show where you're yeah so no we're just kind of like doing one long scene basically so there's like no 40, you know, like, 35 to 40 yeah, minutes yeah we, we, yeah, we record for about 35 40 minutes well sometimes even longer than 40 40 45 oh God, the other day yeah. yeah that's a whole other that, that was, was two long. hours <laughs> um, I think that this was, is coming that, up that was uh, my my wife yeah. and a fr- another a longtime friend of ours played our character's moms yeah so and just, and like, the session went for like two hours so we've known each other forever yeah so yeah um so then I'll take that and I have to throw it in GarageBand and I chop it all up. And then, like I said, I try to make it sound as much of a natural conversation as possible. So I'm taking out any of our uhs and pauses or, you know, if we repeat what we're saying, just take one of them instead of the three times or I put, say. Or put well, a new think, pause in to make it funnier. Yeah, add some little pauses here, you know, maybe shift things around a little bit. Um, yeah, rhythm, rhythm is a big thing. Rhythm yeah, is a big thing. Generally speaking, I'd say I cut out anywhere from five to 10 minutes. Uh, and we usually end up with 30 to 35 minutes for the episodes. So not chopping a ton of it out, but uh, definitely uh, enough uh, to make it sound natural. Uh, hopefully, um, our, our, like I mentioned, our, our, our buddy in the UK, who's our beta listener, um, he likes to think thinks it, he, you know, it sounds almost scripted to him. Some of them some of them feel more scripted than others. It's and and I think part of that might be what you're saying before that some some people are just will will take it as it comes and some people have a clearer it, this is my character and where they're from and they've mm-hmm. got that yeah, little bit of a backstory. And and knowing that there is that difference in in how people approach it, uh just thinking back, I'm I'm not gonna be able to come up with any example, but I <laughs> but I do feel like yeah, they, that's kind of evident uh f- from from an awareness you know, with this awareness of how the process is done. Uh, that mm-hmm. that does bleed through a little bit. Uh and that's not a bad thing. They're they're both fun in different ways, but um yeah, that, that make up as it goes along does does color the way the story is told. Yeah, I think in those episodes where you can probably feel that we're looking more for stuff to find mm-hmm. rather than maybe when they have the character a little more fully thought out, uh, they can go and get more stuff out there. We can explain. It's like the different, yeah, it's that discovery and exploration thing. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes, sometimes when you get the, cause they're both fun. They're both, they're both good, but there's also, if we find a more of a narrative thread, sometimes in the episodes, there's more of a narrative thread than in others. <clears throat> oh, that's, um, that's interesting. I haven't got to those yet. 
Mike, maybe you'll come a better example, but, but like there's one, this isn't a real hard, hard narrative thread, but there was one where we had the, the queen from a planet and she, at some point she was uh, almost trying to separate Trellis and Horatio. Oh yeah. She was trying to like, uh, she, she, she claimed Trellis as a principality uh, by, by sticking a little drink flag into him. Uh, so There's she claimed ear. him and then she was trying to, you know, Trellis was all, you know, like not happy about it. And, and so she tried to like, kind of, uh, she like knighted basically Horatio mm -hmm. into her stead and then like tried to like kind of split them up. Try to get Horatio to come rule by her side. Yeah, come rule by her side. And, this sounds uh, like a soap opera. <laughs> no, this funny. No, that's the thing is it, we have different the tones, the episodes. There's some are kind of like the NPR, the public radio kind of kind of interview. Some sound like a morning zoo crew DJ interview. Some sound like a late night thing. You know, so it's funny. I don't I don't know what the and then there are overlaps. Some some episodes that are, you know, various tones to them. But that's what's kind of interesting. It's listening. It's nice that that well, there's I, I feel like there's a consistency to them, but there's also like a variation. So you're not getting the exact same thing every episode, hopefully. hopefully. Yeah, and then I try to actually change up orders so that we don't kind of necessarily maybe have the same thing from episode to episode. So if there's maybe like a lower energy one, I'll surround it with two higher energy ones. And <laughs> I wouldn't put like two higher energy ones maybe in a row or uh, that was that way it doesn't get uh, too much of the same thing you know, one after another. Okay. Maybe I should do that because usually I just have me a whole episode. It's usually just me going on like ages and ages and occasionally I'll let Nemo talk. <laughs> and other times I'll let Nemo chime in and Taz like, you should do more of that. Nemo's great. <laughs> just he's like listening in the car on the way to somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, um, just to, before I get to my last two questions, I just want to ask, how do you feel you've improved uh, over the times you've been doing it, Mike and Brown, because I know not at all, not at all, not at all. Okay, because I know <laughs> when I listen back to the very first ones I did, I noticed there are a couple of podcasts as well where you could tell I uh, had I was like spending way uh, I was like annoyed at how long it was taking to edit, and I had like <laughs> something else on. And so there, there's one episode I can't remember where it is, but I think it might be the third or fourth episode. Uh, where there's a bit where I'm really bad about admitting this because uh, people probably forgotten about this by now, but there's a bit where there's literally 10 seconds of silence because of the way I edited it. I forgot to like shrink it back in. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah, like, a, there's yeah. like 10 seconds of me rambling that I cut out. And uh, because I didn't put the timeline back properly, it's just in the final episode, there's this 10 second gap and I've never addressed it in any of the podcasts I've done. So I thought <laughs> time to come clean. Time to go, but um, I'm not. This isn't a prompt for you guys to confess any embarrassing mistakes you've made in editing. But, you should uh, definitely uh, confess embarrassing mistakes that you've made. But have you gotten better <laughs> in terms of the process, or in terms of um, the way you uh, edit it think, down? Yeah, or, I think we've gotten more organized. Of, yeah, okay, that's good. In terms of you know, even better than um, that. <laughs> go, going over when the guests, you know, we pop on and you know, kind of go over our little, you know, our list of. Um, you know things about the podcast again like you know we don't mention the original characters or storyline we don't we try to avoid talking about like specific earth things like you know mm -hmm. coke or perrier or you know stuff no like that brands. yeah yeah we stay yeah, with no that paying to advertise the podcast. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah yeah product um, placement you know and then just uh you know we have a, a john bon jovi running bit 
uh, that's kind of been going. Oh, I remember the Bon Jovi. Yeah. So, yeah, that was introduced in the second episode. Yeah, in the second episode. So you know, I think we've gotten better at that, um, and then just being more relaxed and relaxing the guests because we will mm -hmm. talk for like 15, 20 minutes beforehand, just to kind of you know get to know each other a little bit if I if I don't know them, and then mm -hmm. uh, then we just jump in and we go and 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 I think we've gotten pretty good at staying aware of time. So we're usually right at that thirty-five minute mark. And between then and forty is when we look for like the. You start. You start sensing it. You start sensing it. At yeah. Point. Uh, and and that's what we'll just jump. It's like, well, this has been a fascinating conversation today. You know, what do you, you know, Horatio? What do you think we should put in for the guide entry? And and we'll just like you know, throw some inane comments out. <laughs> whatever. About, you know, whatever, whatever I have because I take notes during it just to help me, and mm -hmm. um and so yeah, that way also Horatio can go back. Well, I wrote this down, and I really like this. Um, yeah. Another thing is listen to the first episode. Listen to Horatio's voice in the accent or whatever in the first episode. And Trellis. Trellis sounds Andrews. different. Uh, totally well. different. It's like the difference between Homer Simpson in the first few episodes of Simpsons and now. Or like yeah. some of the supporting characters in that pilot. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It's, the voice is totally different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I tried like, I tried to make Trellis sound more condescending, I think. And then, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, I just didn't kind of sound right now it's really probably just more my regular voice we went the opposite because i sound more like regularly me in the first one and now it's i don't know i feel more comfortable when i'm, when I'm behind a hide behind the character so it basically it's like i just blame horatio for whatever he, i say is horatio essentially <laughs> and then well, also it also helps relax too with with you know not getting in your head about what you're saying as if we filter it through a character yeah, and i think i've gotten better at editing too it's only you know yeah it takes me like three to five hours to do an episode so but mike it was interesting bad, what but... you said about the character becoming more like yourself because one of the things me and nemo talked about with dirk gently is in the novels as they go along dirk who is inspired by his friend michael bywater slowly sort of takes on more and more of Douglas's traits, like struggling getting up in the morning, <laughs> uh, <laughs> fascination with useless gadgets like the I Ching calculator. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting. And it's something we've sort of uh, talked about before. But so I think mm -hmm. this is the third or fourth time I've brought it up. Um, <laughs> so I don't think there's any more ground, but that's what I bring up to you guys in case you okay. haven't heard it before. Uh, but anyway, um, so let's go... Um, for a, an easy question for both of you, Bran first, then Mike. Uh, okay. who, have, who have been your favorite guests on the show? Let's think as it is. Well, they're uh, all fabulous. Okay. One's <laughs> um, stick in your mind now that I'm asking you the question. Oh, God. I'm trying to think of what, one of my favorites, actually, is one that I can't really say because it dropped today. Um, right. it, it's one, well, I'll say it's uh, the one Paula Han, Paula Han uh, from the planet uh, Carfax is one of my favorites, one of the recent favorites. I'm trying to think if I go back um some of them are the early guests because that like there was one jay sukow who played a character um the the hammer bart the hammer bart bart the hammer 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 anyway bart bart ham <laughs> aka the ham the ham thank you see i can't remember <laughs> but um because it's one of our early ones and it's one of the first episodes where i really felt like i was like oh wait we can do this i'm actually handling this okay and there was so much play it was one of those i think there's a special sentimental thing about some of the early episodes too but um, some of the ones that's just pure play. Um, Mike, why don't you answer the question while I'm thinking? <laughs> um, I really like um, Glorpston Loves Frog Ball. Yes. Andy St. Clair, who I yes. used to see perform all the time in Chicago. He was in a group called People of Earth, which was like the team uh, to watch there mm -hmm. when I was there. So that was a really good one. Um, and then another fun one was uh, Ithamar Enriquez uh, yes. was on. And he played 
Luxor Grandin, who was the, he, <laughs> and this is what he thought, he's like, he's the understudy to Max Cordelplane. Um, but you know, Max regular never gets, MC. Yeah, Max never gets sick or anything like that. And so he's like basically a permanent understudy. And so that's like a frustrating <laughs> thing for him. Um, and, and Ithamar is like, you know, just an amazing improviser. I saw and him super coming nice up to the ranks when I was, um, you know, in the scene. Um, and um, he's, you know, probably one of our more quote unquote famous guests. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he was, if you if you watched WandaVision, um, he was the commercial man. Uh, when they had those oh, little commercials in between. he also popped oh, up in an episode of series of unfortunate events yeah so and a commercial i was watching the uh, it was yeah, on the he's other. he's super talented so he was really fun yeah. um and then he mentioned the the queen on kona episode that was a lot of fun which uh that was one of our san francisco people which was uh trish tillman um, she was a lot of fun because that whole principality thing she like totally so leaned silly. into it, it was like it's, she started she stopped calling trellis trellis she's like she's referred to him as principality principality principality, principality. you need to watch yourself principality you know it's just, it's just really and she was like this little bug that was going to sick her little bug minion army on him um, so that was a really oh, fun God, like, like fun. grant said the, the ones that kind of stand out are the ones that you really feel very playful throughout yeah it. you can feel it so it's just, the stuff's getting just bounced back and forth um, and I can tell it's really going to be a fun one to edit when I hear all that. And then I, when we start reincorporating stuff that we were talking about previously mm -hmm. and that starts coming back, oh, uh, that's when, that's when you can tell it's really going well. It's like, as there's just like a certain um, amount of energy to it that, um, uh, it just, you know, it's improv it, it happens and sometimes it doesn't happen. Oh, but oh, thanks. floating but gray that's, skull, but that's floating that's gray skull. Yeah. Uh, that's Ooh, the point I was floating oh, gray skull. Do you know that? One? Have you gotten to the floating gray skull? Oh man, that's I mean, gray skull. That's, that's, two, that's, that's <laughs> season one. That's episode nine in season one. Oh. Right. Yeah, I think one thing I love checklist of all the good ones. It's like, like it's, or no, that was little, they're all good. Oh, that's true. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, maybe I should do one for ours because I'm pretty sure there's a couple of that they won't be interested in. And that was that was Jack Peoples, who he was actually. A student in high school and i was helping out the improv club at this wow. high school in atlanta and he was one of the high school kids in it and like he went off and went to college and got all grown up and uh he came on and that was a really fun episode as well yeah it was just part of it listening to it i kept thinking oh my god trellis and ratio are being so so insensitive to this poor He's a floating gray skull with no eyes. And he just wants to be friends and, and no friends. And, and we were just and, like, kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I have time for that. And he's well, like, because oh, the, whole, sure, the whole thing is to be his friend. You have to, you have to totally uh, donate your soul down to his, to, his into his the hive mind, yeah. into the collective hive mind. And he didn't understand why that would be a deal breaker, <laughs> right. you know? And, and we just, you know, and I don't know, that one was just, that was a lot of fun. I, I don't yeah. know why that one just really stands out, but there was a lot of play mm -hmm. in that. And we really found a good, through line i think because yeah they don't all, all don't all have narratives to them but it seems more satisfying when they do some some are just informational so yeah i think they all have narratives some of the narratives are just a bit more simple guy shows up guy says if you can this guy leaves and <laughs> <laughs> <Guide entries, laughs> free dinner yeah, to be fair, you've got still got more narrative than has. I feel like Douglas Adams would appreciate the idea of just being able to get a free dinner and drinks if you could. Yeah, have a guy exactly. yeah. I, I feel like that would be something he would be uh, okay. down for. Well, try to try to embrace the, the the thing. Um, it's trying to for one of the things I try to keep in mind with Horatio is um something Adam said when he was adapting a Doctor Who story into. I think it was it was uh, the the 
cricket, the cricket stuff. Oh, uh, the cricket man, yes. Yeah, when he is adapting that from changing that from a Doctor Who story into a Hitchhiker's Guide story, and he said the trouble was none of the hit that Doctor Who is all about. You go and do and. The hitchhikers characters are all about yeah let's just hang out go to a party and stuff and he said so that was the hardest thing was finding a way to motivate them because and so i thought there was i can't remember the line but there was a line he said in there that was like that that defines charleston horatio they are not looking to go out and be heroes they're not looking to you know they just want to find they just want free food and drinks and hang out, place mm-hmm. to hang out. i think i know the line it's a it's ford prefect talking about how he's a, a uh, his doctor says he's got a lack of moral fiber and a deficiency in his public duty gland and <laughs> uh, and he's therefore exempt from saving the universe and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so I know you guys have already got season six the final season planned in the works at the moment uh, the next question is is there anyone you'd like to guest on the show you haven't had yet and that's this is anyone that you can choose, or so I guess you can just go for anyone. Um, uh, so. I guess I have two things. One would be like if someone was close to Adams who knew him, uh, if they would think this was interesting enough to come on to play, that would be awesome. Um, and then other than that, wow. uh, TJ Jagodowski, who is hands down like one of the finest, him or with David Pasquazi. Um, they're like basically the two best improvisers on this oh, planet. Definitely. P- like period. Um, they've been doing a two man show since like 2003 called TJ and Dave. Uh, there's a documentary of it out there. They've got um, some of their shows amazing. on Vimeo. Um, they're just like, and TJ was one of my teachers and Dave Pasquese was on Veep. Uh, he played Julia Louise Dreyfus's character's husband. Oh, and he was Veep. on uh, uh, Bubba Fett. Oh yeah. He was on Book of Bubba Fett. He was uh, yeah, the, the, the chancellor guy. of the city with the, whatever mm-hmm. um and oh, so, that yeah, guy. yeah. Uh, they're just i mean they're amazing they're utterly amazing and i would love to have them on uh if that was possible but i actually already reached out to tj and he was busy so i don't want to bother him <laughs> <laughs> well maybe he's listening who knows uh brand do you have anyone that might uh it, i'll just make this short version say most anybody uh who's been on uh involved with mystery science theater that show mystery ah, science theater. mstk <laughs> Yeah, or riff tracks or what? Actually, Paul F. Tompkins, like we've talked about, if we could ever play any festivals and stuff. And uh, my wife and I watch this thing, Mystery Science Theater, or Riff Tracks Shorts Fest. They do from San Francisco Improv Festival every year. And Paul F. Tompkins guests with them some. And I was thinking, if we could do that and get Paul F. Tompkins in with us, I could die happy. Paul F. Tompkins, if there's ever an American Doctor Who, Paul F. Tompkins has to be in. So well, that. that sounds <laughs> vaguely sacrilegious, but we'll let you get off. With I know, that. I know, I know. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I was, I was self-flagellating as I said it. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Russell T. Davies is making a few changes. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, no, any any living python, any there's certain ones that just I would love to. You know, any anybody who's anybody I can kiss up to. Would be great. Well, uh, I mean, that could be anyone. I mean, you've done a great yeah. job kissing up to us so far. So. <laughs> so yeah, so that's my that's my the, my version of a short answer. Okay, um, so interesting picks there. Uh, I, I I thought you go big and you did. So because <laughs> I thought what you might do is uh, go for someone who oh we've actually booked already, but we haven't told them. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> no, that would be actually, clever because we've had some semi names on, uh, which you know, course, yeah. some but. Uh, a lot of them are people that that I think, oh, big deal. And they're people like, who is that? But 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 like people who are big in voiceover, like cartoons. There's a guy named Gary Anthony Williams. Look up his credits. And we got him on because he's a friend of a friend 
who also has a lot of credits, a guy named Mark Farley. Just because I've written down the questions, I've only got four left. I just want to go through them. Oh, there they um, are. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to move on to Douglas Adams' questions because we, nope. didn't, we started, we kind of glossed over this earlier, but how do you both get into Douglas Adams in the first place? I'm going to go on a limb here and assume it's Hitchhiker's Head. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, books. I'm, I've never seen the radio or seen the TV or listened to the radio stuff. Um, mine was the books uh, back in eighth grade. Uh, a friend had the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy original one and, and lent it to me. And I was like, this was like just the weirdest, most odd, <laughs> interesting thing. And it was like one of the first books I think I read where like I wanted to keep like reading it. And I like just like blew through it. And I was like, oh, wait, there's and there's more. And so I got, you know, Restaurant at the End of the Universe uh, and then the rest of them. And so that is like how I got introduced to it. And I have like that leather bound version now that has all the books uh, in it together as one. And I'll reread that like every, you know, three or four years or so just to kind of go back to, you know, that fun feeling I had when, uh, when I was little. So that's how I got introduced to it. Uh, I had seen something about it in Starlog magazine. I was kind of interested. In, I didn't know what Dr. Who was, and I was kind of seeing a little of that on public tv and so I was looking at starlog magazine which i don't know if you remember sci-fi magazine may still be around but there were pictures from hitchhiker's guide now at first i thought it was doctor who and uh anyway we uh then we my family was in england when i was around 14 or 15 and i found a copy of the book in some uh just in some bookstore in downtown london and it's the cover with the kind of looks drippy different colors on it uh, paperback and uh oh the multi that might be the one that my dad has yeah it's like well you're, if your dad is old like me then probably um and so, well, so that's what i'm, what I I, I'm gonna not answer that question uh, <laughs> about how old but, my dad is but that's what i got started with and it was like this is like michael said this is different this is this is fun and there's so many jokes i didn't get until later and da 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 and then um a lot over the years i got into found the radio shows my i went through i wore out my cassette versions of the radio shows I've got the got them on CD. Now I've actually got them on, just on my phone. Um, then you know, got into dirt gently, read the books, watched the uh, watched, listened to the radio series. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of where all that came from. Okay. Cool. From which it um, came. I uh, I got into it by um, my dad reading the original Hitchhiker's book to me when I was like a kid, when I was like cool. seven or eight. Uh, and I actually even got read the book at school and I got bullied at school by one kid. I told Nemo this is like the very first episode as a kid. He said, oh, what are you reading, Ed? The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Poo Poo. Well, that kid, uh, we never got on. But <laughs> yeah, I, I still haven't named him, so I'm, I'm not that ventral. Um, Paula Mint Millstone. <laughs> I know where you live now. <laughs> anyway, because uh, I know where you live, that's why I'm not calling him out. Um, because it's not far from here. <laughs> anyway um I hope, I hope he's doing all right this is, <laughs> incidentally we wish he, he, he probably doesn't listen to this almost certainly not um so what's your favorite having probably having read most of Douglas's library the oeuvre of Douglas Adams what's your favorite book uh written by Douglas um mine's probably a restaurant uh, just because like the hell I love the whole scene that first chapter. Of, I think you, I thought you might say that. with with, with hot yeah. black and the whole you know being dead for you know tax purposes yep. for a year and then like you know they they crash a ship into the sun and the whole disaster area thing and uh, <laughs> I don't know maybe that's you know that was my 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 liking of that one out of the mall uh, is the reason why why the podcast ended up being centered there. Well, it's a great location. 
Uh, probably I feel my- like you should definitely watch uh, the TV series just for the uh, Milliway scenes, if nothing else. We, we do send out the video. final episode. We we send out a link to the scene that, that that's on YouTube mm-hmm. to our guests to give them an idea of what the vibe is mm-hmm. like at nice. Milliways. We Very come nice. up with other ideas about what you kind of anyway filled in other details that are in the books. That's an idea. You could have a guest instead for tax reasons. Or... <laughs> uh, do, do you are you familiar with? Uh, It'd be easy to do. Douglas's you don't have to appear. Oh, uh, uh, we know about the the lying on the in the field and in, in no 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 the, sorry the inspiration for Milliways specifically Grand Hotel the song by uh, oh Arm. yeah 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 well and of course it's funny to me sorry side thing that that Journey the Sorcerer that the the theme song is by by the Eagles yes by an American American folk band the Eagles and that's Journey the Sorcerer um, I think my favorite is probably I don't know why pro- I think Life the Universe and everything. The original, the first book is, you know, always going to be, but life, the universe, I don't know why there's something about the whole cricket gate, the whole cricket thing that, uh, that I enjoy. I don't know why that it, that's when I'm listening to the radio series, cause I've listened to these things over and over and over and over, over the years. And that's the one I kind of go back to for some reason. I don't know why. I really don't know why. No, you know, my dad actually plays uh, or used to play rather amateur sort of club cricket. Uh, county cricket sort of thing nice and uh i had i remember one time the team was low on members they got me to help out as i was like 13 at the time and i was it was the same weekend as a grand prix and i'm really into motor racing as you can tell oh, ridiculous shirt that i'm wearing <laughs> of interest, and, like yeah. um, and uh, in we did the fielding half and uh, they threw the ball way too hard and they, and, da- and uh, I somehow managed to stop it without breaking my fingers, even though there's like a spin bowler or something <laughs> that was spinning at like 30, 90 miles per hour. Like and um, my dad was like, oh, so I managed to stop it and then didn't know what to do. And dad was like, right, okay, you go further to the back of the field. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you don't get hit as hard. And then um, before we did the changeover, because obviously you have to bat after you field, uh, I remember uh, basically I said, I want to go home and watch the qualifying <laughs> for the Grand Prix. It wasn't even the Grand Prix, it was the qualifying session to decide the grid order for the Canadian Grand Prix or something like that. And, uh, and I went back and dad had to rush back. And by the time he rushed back, they had already lost like five or six batsmen in that time, even though we lived like half an hour away or something from the ground. Um, anyway, oh dear. Good, good times, good times. I don't think me staying would have saved the game, but um, because it's fun. <laughs> I, I, like the, I like the idea that there's a cricket statistic sheet for like county cricket out there on the website somewhere that has Edward Hunter fielded, didn't bat. <laughs> anyway okay enough anecdotes um, this is about you guys not me um so uh I, we did mention that um i think brand briefly mentioned that he knew a bit more about dirk gently than mike did uh am i correct in thinking that uh i think that's probably correct okay well what was the question you know okay. more about dirk than i do oh yeah 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 because you said that, books that was and the radio things- suits I think that's one of the things Mike bringing me in was partly um, because I knew knew this stuff. Yeah, That was my CYA. Yeah, I didn't want to overwhelm you with Dirk Gently questions. Um, So I thought I'd ask a Dirk Gently, maybe unless Neymar wants to chime in with one. Uh, The question I had is, is there a future, and I guess Brand can answer this slightly better, maybe. Is there a future in a Dirk Gently theme improv podcast? Because we've had the uh, Hitchhikers and Advertisers. I don't know, is there a... Dirk oh, like doing ca- random he, case file, holistic case files from the back of the filing cabinet. I think you could. It's just that one is one where it's like you get more into the it's that finding that fine line between fan fiction that you can get sued for if you you know, yeah. Um, 
like I think you could probably do something similar that I but but I think in terms of like a theme podcast like what we're doing yeah um I think you could do it it, it would be more probably more narrative based though mm. I would think I'm, I was already thinking that just just from the question myself and and I'm not uh, I'm not an improv person but I'm I was thinking that Hitchhikers and Appetizers lends itself to uh, the flexibility of being very character based uh, without requiring a story whereas I think uh, Dirk Gently would require a story per episode to really work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Bran, Bran, you did say earlier uh, that you had some thoughts on the later adaptations of Dirk Gently that were made um, after this is passing. Uh, it's been particular the ones for TV and uh, did do you want to show your thoughts on? on I'll, I'll just, well, brief, just I'll just make it brief. Is uh, it, it's like I think it's great they're doing it. It's just I I think I it's more my desire. More I wanted something that was closer to the original books in terms of the story and that kind of thing. Like I want to see an adaptation of that. I love that they're doing new stories and all, but also it's just the that he does. And I get stuck on this. He doesn't look like how I picture him. Because uh, in one book he says he, he's like like one of the Doctor Who's, one of the fat ones, and so I just. <laughs> always imagined him as being like a short fat douglas adams yeah they're also quite light on the, in, neither Stephen mangan nor sam barnett ever really wear a big red hat either well and mangan's a great it's, it's fine with the acting the guy harry enfield who did the voice on the radio shows is perfect that's how i picture dirk sounding i think i think it was harry enfield it was yes yeah yeah but anyway uh, that's just me that's just my preference it's it's kind of like with any adaptation the hitchhiker's yeah, exactly. guide like oh this he doesn't look like how i thought Zafod would look or what you know have yeah. you seen the clip from the south bank show and i know ed's done a uh, a youtube video that uh, uh, gets that clip and the equivalent scene from the uh, other versions of hitchhikers uh, but the the reason i bring it up is that that's that clip from the south bank show has michael bywater playing uh, Dirk and Michael oh. Bywater was Douglas's friend who inspired the character of Dirk. So that's funny. It, it's and it's the only uh, it's the only on-screen adaptation of Dirk Gently uh, that uh, was done while Douglas was alive. Uh, so, Interesting. And, uh, so so yeah so so he was directly involved in that production, uh, and it's only a couple of scenes uh, of Dirk directly, but it's it's as true to. Douglas's visualization of Dirk as uh, it's reasonable to assume is possible. So when it comes down to uh, the Hitchhikers and Appetizers, of course, we got we got to come to the end of the fifth season. Uh, what can people? What do you think people can expect, and uh, what should we look out for ahead as we come to the end of the fifth season? We go into the closing stages of the Hitchhikers um, and Appetizers. What would you say to people to sell them on on this? <laughs> More um, stuff. <laughs> more stuff. Um, we're we're inviting more people back in the last season um, from you know the earlier episodes that we really had fun playing with, and we want to kind of maybe see where their characters are. So I think that's probably like the biggest thing. About where the are they season. now? <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. Okay. Right. And, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. The um, because if I'm remembering, the first returning character you had was the and I don't don't remember their name, but uh, the the end of. Uh, the finale of season two. The was prophet, the, yeah. Zin, Zin yes, the prophet. Yeah, that's, our, that's our one. He comes back at the end. He comes back at the end of yeah. the season. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, gets uh, abused. But, but that was my more. memory. Was was the season two didn't have any returning characters, and that was the first time that's like, oh, yeah. we've we've seen them before. This yeah, we got <laughs> some. Um, we actually have. When is it? Uh, 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 not Blamo. Um, we just had Fee. Fee. We just had a returning character this season, right? Wasn't yes. this season? He was in season two. He was the lead off of season two. 
And now he's um, come back. He, he just came back with someone. Uh, oh, Snaz. Snaz, who was in season two, came back and in season four. So season four, we had a, a, uh, at least one person come back. And then more in season five. And then... Yeah, I'm a, dra- I'm a Dramatron Parsley with her mom. That's season one. Uh, Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, we're, naming, we're just throwing out character names now. But yeah, yeah having, don't you know all the... Don't you have these memorized? That, that's probably... No, no, it pretty. sounded like... Um, uh, I, It'll make I sense heard, later. What, you said that, yeah. and I had, oh, I'm going to have some parsley with your mom. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey. Or so, just, yes. It doesn't have to be your mom. It can be. That's anybody. the big thing with season six. Just want somebody it's, to eat It's more of a pejorative. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we, and we have, um, we, we also, we have a character, two characters who were referred to in an episode in the first season that were hopefully going to make an appearance. Yes. If we can get the scheduling worked out yeah one of one of them lives here in the house with me and we're having trouble scheduling or something <laughs> uh, sometimes the geography it, it just doesn't happen <laughs> geography I, and chronology are different problems yes <laughs> yes right. but anyway i think you did a great job of uh, selling the podcast then it really reminds me i need Thank to you. listen to more of it and hopefully in turn you'll enjoy some Binge. of what we've done even yes. though it's on yes some of the later Dirk adaptations, because I mean, there are some. There, there's like no, I, know, I still like to hear. You probably I, I, enjoy Jesse's rants about the second season of Netflix. Dirk, <laughs> generally, so. Well, I mean, I love. I mean, that's the thing is, it's it's interesting, you know, with all the different. I mean, that's a whole other show. We'll go with all that, but about adaptations and you know expectations about what they should be and how yeah. close and you know, because I don't know. Yes, yeah, go like if we did our our show moved on to something like I love the idea of doing an animated version, so we could just show the characters and not worry about effects and stuff but you'll have to re-record yeah, yeah. <laughs> new dialogue <laughs> that would be interesting yeah i mean i don't do, do want to go back and fix animation. some stuff oh yeah of course yeah. Yeah, naturally you've got to get that george lucas special edition edit in there exactly <laughs> well, <laughs> the Euro, sound Euro of spaceships in the background we'd like Come to welcome on. charge our binks to the booth <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, the whole booth gets blocked by a CGI dinosaur. Comes in outside. <laughs> Just drop a huge cow on the booth and that'll end the series. You know. There we go. Right. No, the biggest anti climax ever. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, not, not, that it, not that you're planning that for so. <laughs> Anyway. All right. It's uh, endings. Endings are tough. But uh, I'm sure you'll figure it out. You guys are very talented. Uh, so uh, I think that's really all we've got for Nima. Do you have anything else you wanted to add uh, as a sort of final? Uh, viewers recommendation as a loyal viewer a listener uh, look I've, I've i've listened I've, i was just trying to think because uh, i've i tend to uh have binged a, a season at a time I'll, I'll load up a season on the phone and uh listen to four or five episodes uh in a row while i'm doing some gardening or so forth and cool. uh, and end up doing a whole season in the course of a couple of days uh, and cool. then it'll be months before I, I get around to loading up uh, <laughs> the next season on the phone uh, so I, I think I've listened to the first three seasons I'm a couple of seasons behind wow thank you thank you very nice much I, you. I haven't made it that far <laughs> <laughs> well I mean um, you've been in but it you, you, you're involved I, I could oh, say no, the we, same we, thing if- we, we, yeah we listen to them you know I'm listening to them uh, edits to, to write up the summaries and do it all that so yeah it's like there's some episodes I have memorized and others I'm like what was that one yeah, look, I, I've 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 got the same thing with uh, uh, Electric Monks. I think I listened to the first two episodes and then kind of went, you know what? I've I was there. I, <laughs> I don't need. <laughs> I have to listen to go back so I can fill in gaps because I don't always take good notes during the recording session. So uh, that's 
that definitely makes much more sense when you're revisiting characters and uh, and have your own character continuity. Uh, no, look, uh, overall, I would say I've enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to listening to more. Thank you. Uh, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the overall arcs play out to the end now. <laughs> We are oh, too. He's invested. Yeah. <laughs> get you hooked. Yeah, I'll probably get listening to this like two years after it's all ended. <laughs> well, that's I the way it. I do with most shows. I got to wait and make sure they actually finish before I'm going to start it. You know, yes. get left hanging. You don't have to worry about being canceled. So, <laughs> no, that's the nice thing. Masters is, of our own destiny. Again, I have not, like not, how I've, by the way, how I've talked about my podcast, like it's in any way as good as yours. <laughs> I it's like it. That was see, it's two di- two different animals. You're doing an interview. That's very show. true. We're doing, a, we're doing a fake interview show. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. Uh, the real fake interview show. That's yeah, what I call yeah. it. My one. <laughs> but anyway, it's been a pleasure having both of you. Thank on. you very much. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, so, yes. where can people listen to your podcast? Before we Everywhere are? on the street yeah, in the middle yeah, of yeah, those. I think all Spreaker. It's on Spreaker. <laughs> yeah, it's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yeah. I like all the big ones. Let me uh, hold on. I can. Do you have an official website we should do? Uh, we do. Yeah, uh, it's Improv in Action. Also, Impro- if you yeah. want to go to our fandom page, uh, go to Improv in Action. <laughs> really, we have a fandom page. It's in oh, progress. Yeah. Nemo, Improv- episode guide. Nice. Uh, Improvinaction.com. You can find it mm-hmm. there. And then as far as you know, podcast sources, you know, it's on Spreaker, you know, oh, yeah, Over- Overcast, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, downcast beyond pods like i said spotify um you know so all that stuff you can find it on there excellent well and if you want to give us some love of course oh yeah then, thank uh, you, you yeah know, we will thank you very much yeah, we have a website great. too which is uh, uh dirt gently podcast.wordpress.com where occasionally up there i'll probably put this one up but <laughs> Why not? I'm very bad at uh, usually all of sort of description on the sort of Apple podcast and all the all, all the different. Um, I think it's from Anchor that I send up my one. But it was like two week, a week or two later, I'll then eventually put it up on the WordPress mm-hmm. website. Uh, and uh, we also, me and Nima are active on Twitter. I don't know if you guys want to chill out your shout out. Like, I don't know why. I'm, I'm <laughs> speaking in uh, is beach, the word that beach I... metaphors. <laughs> if you want to distribute, there we go. Yeah. You're, uh, there we go social media handles mine i'll do me and nemo first i guess i am uh, at edward j hunter right usually just end up moaning about motorsport or uh, occasionally i'll mention but i'll definitely talk about this one because i've got to promote it somehow <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. nemo you're on there too at, uh, uh, sub sub eater sub underscore e-t-h-r there we go yes and uh so uh brand uh, i is it in character is your um Oh, your Twitter handles in character as your um, Travis and Horatio, or is it? Yeah, like yeah, I think that's yeah. Mike, Mike handles that. Um, oh uh, yeah, it's a Hitch apps on Twitter. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Nice. There we go. Just and on like uh, Instagram or no, Instagram, uh, Reddit and stuff. It's just I go up. Yeah, do Horatio's in on that. Uh, otherwise, it's like uh, Facebook is like Abraham Peacock. Yeah, uh, and I'm just yeah, you know, my Twitter is just Mike Gorgone. So my yeah, I, I don't have my own Twitter account because I I'm not mature enough. No. <laughs> You can have one of mine if you like. I've got about a dozen. Well, people said the same thing about me. Within, within uh, and and on, on I'm instant Graham. In, no, what inst, instant brand Peacock at uh, on Instagram. I was Insta brand, but somebody <laughs> hacked my account. Oh no! I hate oh, him. There we go. Weird. I found Mike and I followed him. So yeah, gained one. <laughs> there we yeah. go. Huzzah! Uh, <laughs> anything else that we need to link or is that it? If I've missed uh, anything, uh, yeah, really just the 
you know the hitch apps and then the podcast is available everywhere and the website is probably about all exactly listen to it because uh, once it's gone uh, at the end of season six there won't be any more and apart from the epilogue or anything else they choose <laughs> to do but uh, that's certainly going to be something to look forward to but also look forward to us we'll be back at some point in the future hopefully we've been interviewed with another <laughs> exciting guest or at least some interesting topic to cover because i'm sure uh nemo we got, didn't, didn't we didn't we have a we we're going to do a uh, most frugal version of that. We're going to have a conversation uh, we've, about. We've, we've got a few ideas. I've certainly got some notes of uh, of ways of cutting and slicing the uh, uh, analyzing the history of Dirk Gently. Uh, we've also got the card game that we still haven't looked at. Oh yeah, I've Ooh. still got that in my yeah. The Everything's connected card game. Yes, I've, TV I've got a copy that's that's sitting just over there. Still somewhere. haven't been able to convince my family to play with me, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you will. But, uh, anyway, and I've also got a couple of videos I'm working on for the YouTube channel, which I'll plug again now. Which is, I believe, it's just YouTube.com/slash Electric Monk. Or is it Electric Monk or Electric Monk? I think it might just be Electric Monk singular. I'd have to check. I'm pretty sure it is just singular. But uh, I've got three videos up there already and one I've scripted and just need to voice over. Can't voice it now because I'm just finishing this up. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's great. I really enjoyed doing this again. It's been great to see you again, Nemo. And of course, great to finally meet you guys. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. It's great to see you guys in person. Great to get to see Nemo yes, too. He's threatening yeah, to do now, this. now I know what you look like. Yes. He's seen us on, oh, we do have a Twitch live stream. So I guess that's true. Of course, yes. Of course, yes. the pre-listen yes. part. Definitely pre Tre pre Trellis Gardeen. So that's, uh, that's we do that on Mondays and we re-listen to the episodes. And That's our look, weekly ego stroking. Oh, well, I call it synergy. Uh, or that. That'll work too. Synergy. <laughs> it's branding, right? Stroking. you got to get new people in. Like people who mass, co mass communicating. Oh, is that Reesey? Uh, it's Pet Corner now. As we leave, uh, we've got to say goodbye to the pets too. So. Well, you did see Skeeter and uh, Torgo. Yes, for so, those who can't see, uh, Mike has just got his little dog. Oh, uh, Reese nice is little... a sweet, sweet dog. Yes, I was going to say what breed it is, but I know nothing about dog breeds. Um, she is a she's mostly hound, but maybe some Labrador. Okay, she's like a Reese right. cup. She got very chocolate loving. and uh, chocolate and peanut butter. Looks butter. absolutely adorable, and uh, Mike is stroking it very, very lovingly indeed. So, we get by with our pets. Hey, how about stroking the dog? There we okay. go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I mean, we're brand, saving, we have brand saving the cat in the background earlier. Now we have Mike uh, appreciating the dog. So there we go. Uh, we don't. I don't have any pets, and uh, if Nima has, he's been very, very quiet about. It. So, get some. Get some pets. Adopt, <laughs> I did. Adopt I did used critters. to own some fish. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast somewhere, like offhand. I did have some fish. Well, we move house. They an old couple takes care of them now. So oh, a very nice. kindly old couple, I must say. But they, you they should be if they're just, taking care of your fish. It would be a bit rude for me to just pop over the fence and say, "How are they do? How are they do?" <laughs> <laughs> well, so long, and you guys get to keep the fish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, and uh, on that note, I think uh, it's time to say uh, from me, Nemo, Bran. And Mike, and hopefully we'll have you guys on in the future. Maybe as a retrospective. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, that'd be later great. After the podcast, uh, after it ends. <laughs> what was it that made Hitchhikers and Appetizers so great? <laughs> the most, <laughs> the most beloved Hitchhikers uh, Douglas Adams related podcast ever. With us, uh, hopefully a close second. <laughs> that would, that would, that's the, that is a perfect world we envision. Right yes, there. there we go. All bases covered and no stone left unturned. So from all of us, <laughs> it's goodbye from Electric Monk's pocket. I don't have a closing thing. I really need to think of one. I just keep coming up with a different one each time. But thanks for listening, if indeed you still are. And uh, please come back. We love you. We miss you. <laughs> We're so lonely when you're not around. And oh. I'm sure it's the same for you. But let's not get too depressed because we've had a good time, let's say, by that. And uh, we'll there have you more go. in the future. So, <laughs> so long for now. 
see you Until soon next time. in the future. Well, you'll hear from us. You won't see us unless we start doing video yes. podcasts, which we could do. Me and Nemo could if we pluck up the courage. I don't think enough people care. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't. And it gives me less to edit just worrying about the audio. So just not worrying about the, That's the important as well. On that note, goodbye. <laughs> and uh, you'll hear from us soon. That sounds threatening. But it shouldn't be. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's the outline. That was the outline. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye. Go be <laughs> There we go. <laughs> it wasn't perfect, but it was.